Our sponsor today is ProtonText, a complete SMS texting solution built for the Lightning platform by one of our previous guests, Pat McClellan. Here is reason number one that admins and users love this app. It's Lightning Smart. Admins can easily configure the one-to-one messenger component for private messaging or collaborative team texting using queues or shared phone numbers. And using HasRecord ID, the component always know where it is, which conversations you want to see, and which people you might want to text. ProtonText uses Lightning Platform features and Apex logic to make the app intuitive and easy to use. It's not magic, just good design. Learn more at protontext.com. Salesforce Way Podcast, Episode 17: Unlocked Packages. Could have been 20 already if I worked harder. Salesforce Way podcast is meant for Salesforce developers. In each episode, a guest is invited to talk on one specific subject. Our goal is to help our listeners to not only become better Salesforce developers, but more in general, better software engineers. If you have anybody in your mind that could be a good guest for us, please let me know and tell why you'd like to recommend. You can reach me out by email, Twitter, LinkedIn, or contact form, and I'd be so happy if you could connect with me. So all the information can be found in our website at salesforceway.com. In this episode, our guest Fabian Taiyong and I discussed three main points. We started with what unlocked packages is and how different it is comparing to the traditional change sets and the Salesforce migration tool. Then we talked about creating unlocked packages and the versions and how to deploy to different types of works with the unlocked packages. And at last, we touched the Texay SFDX plugin Fabian's company open sourced to help manage dependent packages, among many other features. Hey, everybody! This is Xi Xiao. This is yet another episode of Salesforce Way podcast. Today, I'm sitting with Fabian Tailion. Right,、Perfect. I pronounce your name. Very good, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> and Fabian, I understand you are from Texay Company, right? Exactly, you're right. Okay, would you please introduce yourself? Yes.、Yeah, so, as you said, my name is Fabian Taillon. I'm a CTO at Texay, which is a French consulting company. And、uh, well, I've been working on Salesforce since almost ten years now.、Um, That's a very long experience. Yeah, things have changed、uh, since the beginning, <laughs> but it's interesting. So,、mm-hmm. yeah,、and、good to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm also a Salesforce MVP and a leader of the developer group in、uh, in Paris.、Mm-hmm. Nice.、Uh, you know, 
several months ago, I had some chat with uh, some of my show guests. Uh, for example, Shane McLaughlin, uh, John Daniel. They both recommended me to study this Unlock package along with the DX, along with the Scratch org. So then I, I paid attention. Then even in my work, I had the chance to really work on a small solution that doesn't have any dependencies on the existing metadata in the Salesforce environment. So I had the luxury to create a small package, you know, play around with these second generation packages, which in this case is like unlock packages. It got me hooked. So I want to have a chance to really talk about this and I want to learn more. For one reason is because I'm still learning it. You know, I, I had a really simple case. What if it has a lot of metadata in the environment? So how do we handle those situations? Those are unanswered questions for me. So that's why I invited you here. You had a lot of experience with, with this new way of packaging, new way of working with the environment. So thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So let's start from the concept. What is the unlock packages? And we also understand that there's surrounding or different terms like a second generation and we have like a managed packages. So could you somehow tell us what, what are they and what are the differences? Yes, so currently uh, there is only one part that is GA, which is unlocked packages. And um, so this one is more focused on uh, customers, actually. So it mm -hmm. would be, um, I would say, a new, I, won't, I wouldn't say changed version too, but uh, uh, it's supposed to, to replace the same use case like what you could deploy with uh, the force.com migration tool with a package that XML or change it to migrate uh, metadata from one place to another org, for instance. Whereas uh, ma managed second generation managed package are more focused for uh, ISVs, actually. So, uh -huh. so actually, as I'm a consulting partner, I have mostly used unlock packages, which is mm -hmm. actually the only part of uh, second generation packages that are GA. Okay, so it's already general available for yeah. I think it's so. Customers. It has been GA for almost a year now. Ah, okay, That's I cool. think so. Hmm. But comparing to what you just mentioned, the change sets or the Salesforce migration tool, which is using the Ant and the package.xml for the deployment, why do we have this new thing? Why do we need this unlock packages? Well, I think it's um, answering one need. Okay. which is uh, currently when you deploy stuff with... Uh, I won't, uh, we don't even talk about ChainChat because lots of things are missing in ChainChat, but uh, you have almost all the metadata in uh, the force.com migration tool. So if you use Ant on a, a package.xml, you can deploy lots of things. But um, the thing is that if you deploy the same package, uh, you are not exactly sure of what will happen depending on the metadata you have on your org. And uh, it's not taking care of uh, deletion of metadata. So for instance, uh, if I delete a field or an Apex class or validation rule or whatever, if I deploy uh, metadata through ANT on the package.xml, 
it will just add new metadata, but you won't delete anything. Um, you can still write a specific package to delete stuff, but it's either something you have to do manually or you can script it, but it's not part out of the box of the uh, package.xml deployment. So you need to know what has been deleted or maybe script something based on your different commit on your repository, but you have nothing that will do it for you out of the box provided by Salesforce. The idea of unlocked packages, it's more, uh, it's version actually. So you will install a version of a package. So you will be able to say, okay, I want to install version 1.1. And then mm -hmm. next time you will do a new version of your package, it will be, let's say 1.2. And when you install it to an org, what the installation will do is not just copy pasting metadata that are part of your package. It's like looking at what, what are the difference between the package installed and the one that you will install now. So it, you will install 1.2 and you say, okay, what has changed between 1.2 and 1.1? And it will see what needs to be added, what needs to be changed, and once what needs to be deleted. And same thing if you install it on an org that had only 0.9, for instance. It will check all the differences and update everything, including deleting metadata that was uh, removed for your, from your package. Ah, okay. So I did have the experience with the Salesforce migration tool. If we want to remove metadata from the, for example, product environment, we need to create the package.xml with those so-called disruptive commands. Exactly. Run specifically to remove those metadata from production. But now with the unlock a package, if we remove the metadata from the package and create a new version, then we deploy this new version to the production environment. Those metadata are also deleted from the production. Exactly. Oh, this is cool. That's good to know. Um, I understand to use the unlock package, we more or less need to understand how the DX works and how the scratch work, uh, works, right? They are somehow three-led stool, more or less. Uh, do I understand correctly? Yes. So, well, unlock packages. So first, you know, when you use the package.xml before, uh, you still use it, but uh, mm -hmm. um, there is a specific format for the metadata. For instance, if you look at an object, like a custom object, you will have a big XML file that will contain all your objects inside, including fields and uh, uh, object definition and Lots of things will be in one file only. Whereas when you move to DX, there is a new source format for DX, which is a little bit different from the metadata format, where, uh, for instance, there will be one file for the object definition and one mm -hmm. file per field. Mm -hmm. So you won't use the exact same uh, source files. And you're right, unlocked packages are working with a new source format from DX. So mm -hmm. you need at some point to have your source code or your source uh, with all the metadata move to the DX format. But uh, you could, if you want, retrieve something from an org with the metadata API, then convert it with a DX command to the source format and create a mm -hmm. package from there if you want. If you don't want to use a scratcher, you could not use it. But mm. 
I think scratch sharks, when you start to use it, you don't want to go back to sandbox again. So. <laughs> yeah, I had the same experience. It's so good. But sometimes you have to work with the, um, like the developer sandbox environment so, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, how about the challenges? It's a new thing. What things you have encountered as a surprise, or you want to give us some some red flags before really jumping into the pool? Well, there is one thing where we need to be careful is that uh, currently there is not one hundred percent of the available metadata that can be mm -hmm. packaged inside the download package. So, for instance, something that happened pretty often is the standard value set. So, you know, it's a standard pick list, like uh, opportunity stage, for instance. Mm -hmm. This can be deployed with a, a package.xml on metadata API, but can't be part of an unlock package. So you need to be careful if you are working uh, with a scratch org, for instance, and you mm -hmm. modify some stuff in the scratch org, like adding new values to the standard value set, um, mm -hmm. creating new Apex classes, you pull everything locally, you create a package from this, but uh, standard value set won't be part of your package. So you need to be careful about this. Uh, that not 100% of your source will be added to the package, only the supported metadata. So. Okay. But what, what, what can we do with that? Usually we start the project, we didn't know what kind of uh, metadata type will be in the solution, right? We go along the journey and then re we realize one thing is missing from the, the yeah. scratch work. So um, there are a few things to, to note here. So the first thing is that there is a, a, a website. If you look to metadata, metadata coverage report, it's uh -huh. a documentation from Salesforce that lists all the available metadata. And whether it's supported or not in the metadata API, in Sunset, in unlock packages. So you can see everything and know if it's supported or not in unlock packages. Mm. And if it's not supported, you can still deploy with the regular uh, metadata API. So uh, I was talking about Ant, obviously I'm not using Ant anymore, but you can use the metadata deployment with the SFDX command. So whether it's uh -huh. unlock packages or uh, Metadata deploy, I only use the ZSFDX CLI. So what you can do is uh, first deploy with Metadata API uh, the source uh, that can't be packaged in an unlock package, and then install your package. Okay. As a workaround, we, we, instead of just deploy the package, you will now to run the command to deploy via the Metadata API for those missing, unsupported uh, metadata. Touch. Exactly. And also, okay. DX is still a moving project, which means mm -hmm. that what is not supported today will change in the future. So release after release, you get more and more metadata mm -hmm. supported by unlock packages. So it's worth looking at every release, what's new and what's supported that wasn't before. Excellent. So if we Google the metadata coverage report, I did hit the page from Salesforce uh, developer site. And that's exactly the, an excellent table telling us what the metadata supported from different, uh, like uh, from metadata API, source tracking, unlock packages, managed packages. So there are all sorts of information over there. Uh, we will also put this link into our show notes in case our listeners want to also take a look. Thanks for sharing this. Yeah, it's very useful. I open it all the time. 
There is one cool thing actually also in the metadata coverage report, which mm -hmm. uh, it's it lists for every metadata the potential known issues that are linked to this uh, metadata. So I don't know if you have something not working with unlock packages or even with Scratch org. Uh, you can see if there is no issue related to this directly from this page. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I quickly scan over the long list for different type of metadata. Indeed, for the unlock package, there are some uh, metadata missing uh, on the table. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we we know that it's uh, on the roadmap, right? We, Salesforce is heavily uh, building these things up for the future support. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah. This uh, is hopefully, at some time, there will be a, a lot yeah. more than what we have currently. Yeah, let's hope we don't need to work with the, at least not with the change sets. That was a horrible experience when I started to use it. Yes. Well, <laughs> that, actually, that's one thing that uh, uh, is also different with uh, unlock packages, at least if you compare to change set, is mm -hmm. that currently it's uh, common line only. So there is there is no UI for you to build your package. Mm -hmm. So well, I think there are some community built uh, tools yeah, right. that may yeah. help you to do it. But mm -hmm. on the Salesforce side, it's uh, Salesforce side. It's only um, you have to do everything with a command line. So well, usually yeah. with this kind of project, you will set up Scratch org and continuous integration and deployment. So. Mm -hmm. If you set up everything correctly, you have to do it only once, and then even your developer won't notice they are creating package. They will just push to a repo, merge a branch, or whatever. Everything mm -hmm. will be done behind the scene by the continuous integration and deployment. But uh, if you are just an admin starting with uh, unlock packages, you may want to look in the setup where you can create them, and so far there is no UI for, for that. Okay, I see. That's indeed uh, a challenge for admins or some uh, consultants who do not write code, they they have a hard time to really understand DX, understand the scratch work and unlock packages. We, we definitely see that challenge in, in the ecosystem. Okay, so we discussed a lot about the basic of unlock package. Now let's get some nitty gritties and really get to the fun part that uh, something was not well documented in the internet as of now. So let's talk about the the custom object or custom fields. So there are at least two scenarios. So when we uh, create a new version of unlock a package and then push to the environment, we remove a custom field. What would happen, right? And then another scenario is if we totally delete the package from the environment, what would happen? Could you help us to clarify these scenarios? Yes, yeah, so in the first scenario, where you will create a new version of the package where one of the fields is removed, what will happen is that this field is uh, marked as deprec deprecated, but it's still in the org, so you won't get uh, it won't be available in a page layout or anything. It's just marked as deprecated, but the field is still there, meaning that the data is still there. So you can still export your data. And if later you want to, let's say, recreate the field because either it was a mistake or there are some business changes and you need the field back, you still have the data. So you don't have anything to fear about this. Uh, removing a field from a package version 
will just uh, deprecate the field but keep your data so you are safe in this uh, specific scenario. Right. I also yesterday had a quick test. So when I go to the setup, then the object manager, I go to the custom object and go to the specific field that was removed from the newer version, then there is the deprecated message on the page. That's the place we see this message, right? Yes. Okay. I see. Okay. That's a good explanation. How about uh, when we uninstall the package, what would happen? Well, uh, in this case, you need to be more careful. But I would say that if you go to install package under setup and click uninstall, you are, I mean, you know what you are doing. So in the other case, you could like remove a field by mistake, for instance. And it's fine because you won't get any data loss. In this specific case, when you would uninstall a package, it will delete everything. That means that all the fields, all the custom objects will be gone. Um, so is the data. Uh, but what uh, Salesforce uh, is doing is that when you uninstall the package, it will give you a link uh, with uh, like a zip file with all the exported data that were in the, the fields you deleted. So if you go to install package, you have all your package installed. And at the very bottom of the page, there is a list of un uninstalled packages. And you have a link that uh, will give you uh, the zip file with all of the data. What you need to be careful about is that uh, this file is only available for 24 hours. So if you want to keep your data, uninstall the package, keep the file, and keep it on your hard drive or whatever. But you need to download it right away, otherwise... Uh, it may be lost uh, three days after. I got. Maybe that's a must to take action. Once you uninstall a package, then you immediately download that uh, backup file in case you need it later. Yeah, I mean, even if you think you don't need it, I don't Who think knows? it's. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. just take it, and then it's just CSV format like you that you like you are used to in data loader. So you, you if you, you need to reinstall the package later, you will have to re-upload manually the data. But at least it's a regular CSV format and uh, you have the data, it's at last. Hey, it's she here, your host. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to go to our website, check the show notes of the episode, which contains the links to the points we just discussed in the show. Those are the things we consider important but don't have time to cover in the talk. So after listening to this episode, do head out to our website, salesforceway.com and find more useful information over there. Now, let's get back to the show. Um, so if we get back to the unlock package, um, what we mentioned is that how to use it, how to create the package, create the version, those things has already existed uh, existing in the other technology stack, like in Microsoft, in the front end, for example, in the NPM package, we do see these tech, um, kind of terms already, like existing for yeah. decades, like the package and the versions. But here in Salesforce, uh, a unique challenge is that we already, for a lot of customers, we already have the work, we already have a happy soup metadata if people don't know what happy soup is, it's just a mix of all the metadata from all different teams, vendors that deploy the metadata and along the time, 
nobody really have uh, a whole picture of what's going on in this whole environment. So for the customers like these, how do they start to use the new unlocker packages? So, so actually, the, the best way to understand unlock packages if you never mm -hmm. used it is to compare it to uh, what you install from an app exchange. Okay. So you know, you go to to app exchange, you will download whatever app exchange you want to use, and then instead of just having an app soup with uh, all the metadata mixed up all the project uh, inside uh, the same org. You can just go to set up and look at uh, install packages. You can see your uh, app exchange package, click on it, and it will list you all the metadata that is part of this package. And if you go, I don't know, to an object and to a list of fields, you can see the fields with a small logo on the left saying, hey, this field is part of this specific package. Mm -hmm. So this is the kind of feature that, I, that are coming to uh, to uh, unlock packages and you can really say, okay, so this specific metadata is part of this package. And when I deploy it in an organization, like production or any other sandbox, it will flag it as being part of this specific package. So it will help you take your RP soup and put all the metadata in specific package where they should belong. So there will be one owner of uh, one specific metadata. So. Mm one metadata can only be part of one package. So you will say this field is part of the, I don't know, sales cloud package. This one will be part of the service cloud package. And I say service cloud or sales cloud, it could be any user. You will split your org as mm -hmm. you want, but um, it will take one metadata and say, this is part of this package. And it will help you organize your org much better than how it was before, where you just didn't really know what mm what field, if you see a field, I don't know where it's used, well, you just don't have any ID. Here you can say, oh, it's part of the sales cloud package. So these guys may know what it's used for. Okay. So what I heard from you is that uh, we try to, from the existing happy soup way to untangle the environment. We split the metadata into a logic entity so that we know, for example, we have the integration with system A as one package. We have a sales cloud as a, another package. We know these two packages, they are serving different purposes. And then uh, individually, they contain the metadata from that package. Exactly. Okay. Is it difficult to untangle the environment? Actually, it is, yes. <laughs> So it, it's pretty easy to start from uh, for a new project, except maybe you mm -hmm. may be afraid of starting with DX because you never tried any project with DX. But when you know how it works, starting a new project is very easy, actually. But trying to convert an existing org to scratch org and unlock packages is a little bit more difficult um, because for both scratch org and uh, unlock packages, you need to have a, a set of metadata that uh, doesn't have any missing dependency actually. So let's say uh, I want to to take some custom object and custom fields and say, okay, this custom object A is part of my package A and this custom object B is part of my package B. Okay, it's, that seems very easy to split actually. But maybe it's more difficult than you think because maybe on both layouts, 
there will be a field referencing the other object. And then it will be like, oh, I can't put my layout in my package because it's referencing another metadata that isn't part of this specific package. And so the scratch org won't build and the unlocked packages won't build too because there is a missing dependency. So you need to have a repo that is self-contained and that doesn't have any missing dependencies uh, inside the metadata. Okay. Have you done things like this for your customers? Yes. Yeah, so actually, we are working currently with uh, one customer. We haven't done 100% uh, yet. We started uh, small, actually. We started with a small project that was completely separated from everything that was in the org already. We just used the Salesforce platform, but no existing object. So this was easy. We set up everything. We, we tried our unlock packages we are working, etc. But then when we started to work on uh, splitting the org in separate project, this, and we are still working on it actually, it's a little bit more complicated because um, there are still um, dependencies that are hard to break. So you need to take some time to refactor your code to yeah. to be sure it can be splitted in separated uh, packages um, and they are also part of uh, some metadata for instance i said that uh, the object metadata is splitted now between the object definition and the fields but there are still mm -hmm. a few stuff remaining in the object definition for instance if you have an override or a compact layout or stuff like that that may reference some stuff that you don't want to import in your package so there is still some work to do. It's not just uh, you go there, you say this package will take this metadata and this metadata will go there. You just need to mm. refactor both uh, mm. code on maybe some metadata to be sure that you can split everything in separated package. But I know uh, that in your podcast with John Daniel, he talked about it, about how he splitted everything in his org. Yeah. Yeah. With dependency injection. Refactoring code, yeah, refactoring code is really high skill for developers and it's a highly demanded skills. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of code we see in the real life in the Salesforce, they are not well designed. They have a lot of like hard coded uh, dependencies which should not have been there. But those things, it's just just difficult to break. So when you when we design the package, it's really hard for us to. Uh, draw the clear boundaries between these packages, right? Yes, that's, exactly. That's unfortunately the case. Hmm. Okay. So we have talked a lot from the concept level. Um, so I think our audience has uh, got a really good understanding. Let's walk through practically how we can uh, use the unlock packages. But it's audio version, so I will just ask a quick questions, then you can answer like in a concise way. Okay, sure. How does, okay. So I want to start with the unlock package and so it's a clean environment. So there's no dependencies. What should I do? Well, so first we'll start by, uh, so let's say we move full on DX and use Scratch Art. So you will start working as you would do even without unlock package. So you will start working on your Scratch Art create fields, uh, work on Apex class or lightning components and do whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Then 
you will you will start by creating one package. Maybe you will you will know that from the beginning you need to have two or three package with a common package or I don't know you 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 can you can understand what needs to be in a base package and split it in two already. But I I would say that for starting, I would start small and then refactor later if I need to. Uh, I need to have in mind that uh, I don't need to have dependencies everywhere, but maybe it's easier to say, okay, I'm, I, have, I have one small project. Let's say I'm going to a new client. They have a small sales cloud project. I will build a package that is sales cloud and create everything in the scratch org, pull everything locally. And then there is a specific DX command that is a force package create. And I will say, okay, create me a package that is named... Uh, maybe sales cloud or my project or whatever name you want. And you will define this package. And then on this package, you will uh, use a second command, which is a force package uh, version create. And you will create a version of this specific package. So you will start by, I don't know, version one, then create version two. And every time you need to deploy something new and have a new version of your metadata, you will just run the command again and say, okay, uh, on Monday, I created version one of the package and installed it in my uh, UAT environment. Then there are some fixes or some new stuff. So either I create beta version of the package to say, okay, I have a sprint of, let's say, two weeks. And during these two weeks, I will just test my package with a real user to be sure there is no issue. So I will create my package mm -hmm. version 1.0, install it in UAT, testing some stuff, I have some fix to do. I will create a new version that will be a better beta version that will be 1.0.0.1, for instance. Okay. And when I'm ready to, because my package version 1.0 is ready and all tests are okay, I will just promote it. Mm -hmm. I will say, okay, this one is released. It's not a beta anymore. So maybe I, I have created a seven or 10 version of the package version 1.0 that are all beta with different build numbers. At some point, I will say, okay, this one is ready, it's good. I will promote it to release. This will flag mm -hmm. this specific 1.0 version to be the one, the true one that we can be, that can be used to install in production. And when it's ready, okay. we will install this one to production. Okay, so you just mentioned we can create uh, the versions for the package. And if we do have a version that we want to deploy to production, we have a specific command to promote that version yeah. so that we can successfully deploy to the production. Exactly. It's a safe net in, in case we like accidentally deploy something we don't want to production, right? That's to prevent that from happening. Exactly. Okay. But for those non promoted once we can still deploy to like the UAT or some other sandbox. Yes, That's yes, okay. yes. Also, yeah, right. you can, you know, there is a, a four, four numbers or version number now, like a ma major, minor uh, patch and build. And you can, mm -hmm. you can say 1.1.0.3 and uh, create as many package beta version uh, that you, that you need to test everything before going to production. Okay. So I perceive that uh, by doing this, we somehow separate the development from the release management. When we do the release, let's say we um, 
uh, deploy the package to the whatever environment, we only care about the package versions. And when we do development, developers care about the Git commit, the versions in the rep Git repository. So these two things that somehow separated from for different scenarios. Yes, exactly. It's it's really if you set up everything in your CI and CD, developer may not even know that we are creating package or uh, this is part of the release management and the good thing with the project we had with our app builders is that as everything was created with the CI and CD, they just uh, didn't add to deploy anything actually. So deployment was just a task that was gone because they were just pushing their updates to the repository, to Git. And then everything was uh, done by the automatic release management. So creating package with scripts, deploying and so, the deployment task as an admin was gone. It was just pushing to Git and then everything was uh, scripted in GitHub or, or whatever, Jenkins or Travis CI, whatever you want to use. Okay, I got it. One last question I still want to ask, which is related to one of your open source project. You have, uh, or your company open source this dependent package management tool, right? Which is a DX plugin. What, do, what does it do and what problem does it solve for us? Well, so when we started to work with, with the unlocked packages, there is one thing that is, to my mind, uh, still painful. It's, uh, so you can say, you can split in several packages. So let's say you have your base package with a few fields and objects that are used by all the project, a few utils class or s s metadata that will be used across all packages because it's too common to everything. So we'll create this specific package. And then you will mm -hmm. say, I will create, uh, I will take again the example about sales cloud and service cloud, but again, it doesn't have to be split in cloud, but I will create a mm -hmm. sales cloud package, service cloud package, and both this package will need to install first the base package. So okay. you will go to your package definition, which is on your repository. You have a JSON mm -hmm. file that will, where you set up your, your project. You will, you will set up the small part that will say, okay, my sales class project is depending on this specific uh, unlock package. So I will have two unlock packages, one that need to be installed first and the second that need to be installed after. And the issue that we add actually is, is that we need to, to write the dependency on a specific version. So it's not like mm -hmm. NPM where I can say install like version 1.2 at least, but if there is a 1.3, you can still install it. Here it's not right. working like this. I need to say install this specific version like 1.1, but as soon as we update, oh the the base package with new fields or new utils class or method or whatever and it moves mm -hmm. to 1.2 i need to go to all the the package that depend on this one and update the id of this base package to say hey we have moved to a new version so now we are we are not using this id anymore but this new id so this is a little bit painful because uh, from, i mean most of the time i'm not breaking anything I'm just adding new feature, but still I need to take the new ID of the base package 
and update the project definition of all the other packages that depend on this one. So okay. this is still a little bit painful. And most of the time, it's not one change because I have this ID that is on the dependency definition on the package. And, um, but I also have a script for developers that will just create the scratch org, for instance. Because you know, when you create mm -hmm. a scratch org, you're just creating the scratch org. You want to create it, you want to push the metadata, you want to create some fake data, you want to assign mm -hmm. permission set, etc. So I have a script that you just run and that will create the scratch org for you. In this script, mm -hmm. there is also the same ID. So that means that they have two right. places where I need to change the ID. Plus, I have also a script for the continuous integration and continuous deployment. That means that mm -hmm. I have three three places where I need to update this dependency with the same ID. Okay. So that's quite okay. painful. So right, right. But uh, I guess the future Salesforce might consider to to solve this problem for us, right? We are supposed to only run run the command and then install whatever dependent packages there exists. Yeah. So that, that would be the ideal. That's the idea of the plugin we wrote to help mm. us uh, with this specific use case. Um, mm. The command you just run it on your when you are in your DX project, it will read the JSON definition of your project, see mm -hmm. uh, all the dependencies that are inside your project definition, and whereas you have one or ten dependencies, it will just pick the ID and install all the dependent dependent package uh, for you. So you just have to run one command. And this command okay. can be run in your CI CD script, in your scratch up creation, creation script, wherever you like. And then you just need to update the ID one time in the dependency uh, section of your project definition. I got it. So Fabian, if you give me the link to that open source repo, I'm going to also put it in our show notes for our listeners. Too. Sure, I will. Okay. Thanks. I think it's a good time for us to close up the session. Do you still have something else to say? I think I'm good. You had a very good question, actually. So <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Fabian. So let's um, hope that we have more developers to learn these unlock packages and give the feedback to Salesforce. Well, I mean, it helped everybody to get our development experience better. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Fabian. So talk to you next time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'd like to thank you very much as you have reached the end of the show. If you find our content useful, please let me know and connect with me. If you are using Twitter, don't forget to let me know the number one point you have learned in this episode. All the information about the show, about me, the RSS, the iTunes, my Twitter, the newsletter, and the other episodes can be all found at our website, salesforceway.com. So thank you again, and see you next time.